You're listening to the Ask Coach Parry podcast. If you'd like to join thousands of other runners from around the world who are getting direct access to Coach Parry, his science-backed training plans that work, and a community of runners to motivate you and hold you accountable, then head over to coachparry.com forward slash ask. Welcome on to this edition of the Ask Coach Parry podcast. Today we're talking about heart rate variability. Uh, we obviously talk a lot about training to heart rate and resting heart rate, but HRV is, uh, I don't want to say it's new, but it's been around for a while, but a lot more of the devices are training. Tracking it, uh, and this one comes from Mark. Mark says, "Just to clarify my question in this morning's uh, this morning's Q and A with Marcus, I'm already using heart rate variability to guide my recovery. Obviously, aerobic training has a positive effect over time, and from my own reading, marathon runners." Uh, typically have a high heart rate variability. My query is whether you have any evidence, anecdotal or otherwise, which uh, which of your programs increase heart rate variability most significantly over time, uh, or should I just sign up for one of your marathon plans and sign and, and find out myself? So that's what Mark's saying. Let's talk about heart rate variability. Lindsay, I don't think it's something we've spoken about on this podcast at all ever. Uh, first of all, what is it and how can you use it to sort of guide your training? So heart rate variability is relatively new. It's certainly new in the mainstream because um, it's only in the last year or so that it's become fairly accurately measurable from a wearable device that you and I would have, have access to. So what is it? Let's unpack it from there. Heart rate variability is the interplay between your two nervous systems, your, your um, sympathetic um, and parasympathetic nervous system. So in your autonomic nervous system, we've got these two systems that play up against each other. And just to use simple English, one is an excitatory and one is inhibitory. Okay, So when we need to get up and go and, and do things, be alert, your excitatory nervous system takes over. And when we need to be chill and lethargic and recover, then we our body in, in, inhibits. And it's the interplay between those two that creates the heart rate variability. So we've got our heart rate, which is our beat-to-beat -beat interval, and a lot of people know how to use resting heart rate to track if they are recovering well or not. But within those beat cycles, there are tiny fluctuations in how the signals are sent through the heart. Okay, So that is what we are measuring. And that interplay with the signals, that is the interplay in your autonomic nervous system and a high level of interplay is what we want in a very healthy system both of them are literally oscillating around a point to keep us at a certain level and if our system is healthy if our heart is healthy if everything is green to go that is high okay if you have extreme dominance of one over the other to give you an example, if, you're, if your body is highly stressed, okay, your excitatory system will kick in and it'll be like, okay, we need to keep going because we're human beings and we need to go and all the high stress hormones will be there and also suppress ap appetite and it'll help us stay awake at night. But there'll be this extreme dominance and that's not healthy for the body. The body will be like, no, 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 we need the inhibitory system to kick in. We need it to take over, to force us to chill out and recover. We need recovery time. And you've got these big swings between these two systems while they wrestle with each other, one to keep us going and the other one to help us to, to recover. And that means we've got a low heart rate variability where one has got a high dominance over the other. Okay, So that is what we are measuring. Okay, So everyone understands. We want... A high 
Now, some of the watches take the actual readings and they turn it into a score. Okay? Um, and then you need to read what that score means on your actual watch because on those watches, sometimes high is is good and low is bad, sometimes low. Yeah. So you just have to read what the score means. But what we want, we want high heart rate variability when we're training. That anecdotal reading that, that Mark has done means that those marathon trainer, runners are probably have a good balance. And one of the things that marathon runners tend to do better than people running over shorter distances is they tend to do a greater percentage of their work in the right zone. So in other words, easy. So they do much, a greater percentage of their running is done easy and a lower percentage is done hard. And so that creates a system where we are recovering better and so our nervous systems are in better balance and, and, and working together. Do we have plans that, that do that better? We haven't tracked it. So I cannot answer that question. What I would hope is that most of our plans have the right balance so that they do maintain heart rate variability. Okay, Again, humans are are unique individuals with unique stresses and not only training plans come into play when we have to track these things. If you have a couple of late nights in a row, um, if you are celebrating something and you take in alcohol, alcohol has an enormous impact on, on heart rate variability. I can tell you that my, after having just a couple of drinks, two to three units of alcohol in the evening before I go to sleep, has an impact of almost eight beats on my heart rate variability. So I can go from the from the low 60s into the mid to low 50s. So alcohol has a has a massive impact on heart rate variability. Lack of sleep has a massive impact on heart rate variability. Heart rate variability, not availability. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I think it would be a difficult thing to peg on a training plan, but it's an incredibly useful tool if you have a device that measures it fairly accurately to use to tell you as an individual when you are ready to hit it on your high-intensity sessions. I think your lower-intensity sessions are okay unless you have a sustained period of time where you have have a compromised heart rate variability. I wouldn't push myself into a full-blown need to rest or recover. But I would push out, delay, skip high-intensity sessions. Cool. Lindsay, as always, thank you very much. Super interesting. Mark, I hope you found that helpful as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope your training is going well. Lindsay, as always, thanks for your time. Much appreciated. And we'll chat again soon. Hey, it's Brad again. Before I go, did you know that most running training plans don't take your age into account? That's why most runners over the age of 50 are constantly running in some sort of pain or battling a niggling injury. That's why they always feel tired and fatigued, and it's also the reason why their endurance fades as they get older. It's the number one reason they seem to get slower and slower year after year, even though it feels like they're training harder than ever. If you'd like to discover a new way to train as you get older, then make sure you join us for our upcoming Fast to be on 50 masterclass. Simply head over to coachparry.com forward slash 50 or click on the link in your podcast player now.